Welcome to the Functional Fitness Podcast with hosts Dave and Paul. This podcast will cover topics on training, nutrition, and mindset with a sprinkle of interesting guests to motivate and inspire you to live a fitter, healthier, happier lifestyle and have fun doing it. This is one of our favorites so far for sure. We're joined today by Neil O'Merrickue, a Wim Hof Method instructor from Dublin. Neil has an amazing backstory that is fascinating to listen to. He's also been doing great work all around Ireland and the world, teaching people about the Wim Hof Method since he became an instructor. Neil runs many retreats around Ireland that we would highly recommend you checking out in some fabulous locations like the Cliffs of Moher. He also has a retreat coming up in Clare Morris, County Mayo at the end of the summer which is not too far from us. Um, for more information on his retreats and any of the other retreats that he runs, check out his Instagram page. You can find him on his handle, Breathe with Neil, spelled N-I-A-L-L. As always, we hope you enjoy the podcast and please, please, please share this episode of the podcast with anyone who you think may benefit from listening. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, how are you? Good. Hey, Neil, how's it going? Very well. Where in the world are you? We're in uh, Balna, in Mayo. Oh, Mayo. Oh, very good. Yeah, uh, yourself? Uh, Dublin, in the Enchanted Forest in Dublin here behind <laughs> me. Yeah, looking good, looking good. Thanks um, a million for joining us. You're very welcome. I have uh, relations in North Mayo. Oh, do you, yeah? So my wife's family, her mother, uh, my mother-in-law's family are all from Ballycastle in North Mayo. Oh, oh, just down the road. Yeah, so I'm in Mayo quite a bit, actually. Legend. We'll have to meet up the next time you're up there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Cool. If we're allowed out of Dublin at one stage, <laughs> how are you finding it all? Um, I've really enjoyed the lockdown. Actually, uh, you know, once I kind of got the business part of it kind of sorted and kind of moved stuff online, uh, I kind of I've taken it as a, an opportunity to um, treat it a bit like a retreat. You know, so taking time to spend time with the children, a lot more time with them, and time learning more stuff, and uh, you know, getting ready yeah. for when it opens back up. What about yourselves? Yeah, the same. I think we're enjoying it as well. We've we've got a lot of stuff going on in the background that we've tried to kind of move more online with as well. Obviously, we're, we we have two gyms. So we have a place in, in Balnam, we have a place in Castlebar. Um, so we've tried to move everybody online. Some people love it. Some people just cannot get it, which is yeah. fine as well. I mean, your, your, your home is now your office. It's your gym. Yeah. It's your bloody everything. So it's been hard for people. Um, but the majority of our members are just thankful. We're keeping them sane. They're yeah. they're used to training and they're they're just happy that we're providing the service. So everyone's yeah. adapting. Yeah, yeah. survive, adapt and survive. Um, yeah, look, we're hoping that when we get back open, we can kind of structure it a little bit more. Myself and Paul got into this uh, ten years ago. We opened up in in Bleak Woods. Have you ever been in Bleak Woods? Yeah, you're up there. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, beautiful place. Yeah. So we started in Bleak Woods and um, yeah, we had a, a boot camp going with 20 people and that evolved to us moving to the leisure center and then we outgrew the leisure center. We moved into the library for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Reading and training. <laughs> Crazy. We had, a, we had a contact in the library and the space and we had people to train. So we ended up in there and then we opened a facility downtown um, in Pear Street, Lower Pear Street in Balna. Uh, outgrew that, had to move, then moved up to Castle Bar in 2015, and you know, and open open better and stronger than before. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. I think it's a time for everyone really to kind of yeah. reflect and and see what they were doing. Like as you said, move, people are figuring out how much time they wasted kind of yeah. online and doing these things that like we didn't really need to do. We it's so easy to access. Now yeah, to, it's. I'm, I'm doing a good bit of work with um, some of the corporate clients I was working with before. Obviously, now their staff are all working from home. 
yeah. so I've been doing lots of kind of breathing sessions with their staff to keep stress levels and anxiety levels down and I was talking to one woman and she's the director of this big company global company and she was saying that they spent uh, X amount of million per year on, on people traveling around the world to meetings you know flying business class and now they have proven to themselves that you don't have to do any of that because they're having oh, meetings wow. like this and they're all over the place. So she was saying, just as an example, that when this comes back and opens up again, there'll be no, there'll be no reason really to be kind of traveling from Dublin to San Francisco for a two-hour meeting and coming back again. You know? yeah. So like on, on, that, on that side, everyone, the businesses, people's relationships, either relationships are being broken or made yeah. in the lockdown. You know, you yeah. know, so, Absolutely. Um, after when this kind of opens up there'll be i say there'll be a, a lot of change as a result like your business my business has changed mm. you know it won't mm. go back to being the same as no. beforehand so no this new normal is i hate the term but there's going to be a there is going to be a new normal when we get back yeah to it. like it's not going to be the yeah, same yeah. again no which is good i think i think i think we can as you said we have time to reflect and maybe see what things are important when we're kind of caught up in the rat race sometimes it's hard to see yeah what's yeah important, so definitely I think a lot of positive is going to come out of this in the long yeah. run. Yeah, I think so. Um, we're really excited about this one. We, we, don't, <laughs> we don't really have a, a, a whole knowledge of the Wim Hof, which is kind of why it's so bloody exciting to learn about it. <laughs> I, know, I know the two of us have been like for the last week, like just looking at different stuff. And it's, just, <laughs> it's really impressive. Like it's just yeah. like... Fascinating. It, yeah, it was... Um, it's really mind-blowing stuff. We always kind of like to start with a little background into our guests. So if you just want to kind of give us a background into yourself and uh, just everything, really, whatever, whatever way you want to bring it. Yeah. Um, I'll start on the basketball court. Yay. Ooh. I'm a hooper. <laughs> Paul, Paul's, a, Paul's a big basketballer. Good man, Ret Paul. Retired now. Retired. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, my early life was spent... Uh, trying to be the best basketball player in the world, you know, so I spent nice. every waking moment playing basketball and ended up playing for Ireland and went to, a, went to the States for a while and, you know, played yeah. basketball. All where where in the States, Niall, if you don't mind me cutting uh, in there? Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I grew up in Boston. I played. All right. Nice. Yeah. So but I played, um, I was in Villanova for uh, summer and, you know, played up and down anywhere, anywhere there was a court in America, you know, I was honest, you know, so, um, yeah, that that's kind of where my interest in, I suppose, performance isn't the right word necessarily. When I when I was younger, it was about being the best basketball player. But then, as I kind of got further into my career, I realised that actually it was about the mind. You know, whoever could control the mind when they were playing had an advantage over everybody. You know, your performance was better if you could make sure that your nerves were under control and you could, you know. It's, let's say, for example, it's the last minute of a basketball game and you, you have to shoot a couple of free throws to win the game. The person who could have control over their mind to remain calm and could do that is, is the person that had the advantage. That's where, you know, my, my kind of, my first examination of, of the human condition and, and our, the importance of the mind and the body and, and all the other parts of it started on the basketball court. Um, but I suppose behind all of that, I was always thinking about these bigger questions about life, you know, like, like, what are you, what am, you know, what am I, you know, what is this experience? You know, is there a God? Is there not a God? What even does God mean? What does death mean? You know, all these things are always in the back of my mind. So I played quite a, a good bit of basketball at a high level. And then when I was about 20 or 21, these kind of bigger questions that have been in the back of my mind were so, so, big and they were so loud I couldn't ignore them for very long so I kind of very unexpectedly and abruptly stopped playing we kind of retired from playing basketball and decided that I had to go and find out the answers to these questions what level were you at at that stage with your basketball who were you playing um, with I then? had just been I had just got like five caps for the Irish international team senior team I, I was the youngest Irish uh, at that stage the youngest Irish person ever to play at, at senior level I was only like just gone maybe 19, 20 at that stage. So that was um, a huge decision to just be like, that's massive. It, it kind of it was from the outside, but from yeah. the inside, it had yeah. been, it been it like from maybe 16, 17, 18, 19, it had been slowly, slowly coming to this point 
And if you if a person was looking from the outside, they'd have no idea. Mm. You know, they'd just see the normal me, you know, training all the time. You know, um, I was in UCD as well, playing for them, and um, no one would have seen it kind of coming. But inside, it was a very gradual step. Inside, I was slowly disengaging from the desire to be this amazing basketball player you know i was slowly disengaging and i kind of really had to go and find out some of these answers you know, they were it wasn't there. fulfilling yeah no the love was gone i remember describing to someone wow. the love was just gone i need you know and at the time i felt that basketball as a game couldn't provide me with the answers but now i actually realize many years later 20 years later that if you go deep enough into anything you'll find the answers there so basketball could have provided me with the answers you know chess could provide you with the answers you know knitting could provide you with the answers but at, the, at that stage i just kind of had to step away from it all um, and the first kind of step to try and understanding this experience that we have was into martial arts you know so for me martial arts was a kind of natural step it was still a very physical practice um, but I went to study martial arts in London um, under the tutelage of two Shaolin monks. They had just opened up a Shaolin temple in London. And oh. uh, I, I learned to go how to fight from them. But of course, I went to learn how to fight. But they taught me how to meditate. And they taught me how to use my breath to control my, how I felt. And they taught me how to use the breath, qigong exercises to kind of dramatically improve my health and, and those type of things. And they did, they did teach me how to fight as well. But they were showing me that we are a combination of lots of different things, not just the physical body, that we're also a combination of the mind and the heart and, and the breathing and beyond. Um, so that was kind of, that was a very natural step because it was still a very physical practice because I love training and I needed that. Uh, what, style, uh, what style of martial arts was it or what kind of... Yeah, so Shaolin Kung Fu is, is the kind of, the the traditional anybody listen to the wu-tang clan uh in the 1990s yes. you know you'll hear all the reference to shaolin and all, all yeah. that stuff so but interestingly um these two monks one was called shifu yanzi he was the the boss and shifu yan Li, he was the deputy these two fellows were such an amazing combination of things they were the most calm people i've ever met which you'd expect from a buddhist monk but they were also fighting machines you know so they had fought in 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 the in the in china the the national sport is called sanxiao which is basically mixed martial arts except it's on a raised surface typical of china you know it's not just content to fight yeah it's it's you're fighting on this raised surface and there's about a, a foot drop all the way around it so as you're fighting mixed martial arts and you know now it's in a cage but when you're on this raised surface you also have to think about that is an enemy, you know, and that's also an advantage. So you can fight somebody, you can throw them off. And if you're knocked off the, the platform three times, the, the fight's over. You know, so Sancho is a national sport in China and it, and it is mixed martial arts. It's all the martial arts mixed into one. So you're standing up, you're punching, you're kicking your elbows, your knees, you're throwing. Um, but once you go down to the floor, you're straight back up again. Um, so that was, so that's what they were teaching us as well. So it had a very practical implication. So it, it, they were teaching us to, to fight under those kind of very real combat conditions. Cool. Amazing. And then from there, I was into yoga, into meditation, into, you know, all these types of things that would help me kind of gain a better understanding of, of who I was and who you are and who we are. Um, and eventually, 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 they led me to Wim Hof. Okay. And so when you're saying you're, you're at 21 at this stage and you've, you've gone studying this martial arts, how long did that last for? What did that journey look like? Um, Josie is my wife and we, 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 we were together back then and we moved to London and we were there for about five years, I'd say. So we moved to North London right up beside the temple um, and I would uh, train there every single day, uh, training the morning before work. Uh, training in the evening and but again like before the, the the learning how to fight and to fight had a purpose for me that I kind of didn't recognize at the time um, you know I didn't have a particularly difficult kind of upbringing but like with most young men there was still anger and fear and all these things kind of inside and what I found was the actual physical competition of fighting physical fighting with people 
was getting this kind of stuff out. You know, so over the five years, I didn't realize until a few years into it that this was kind of happening. Happening, it was like a process, a cathartic process of getting this stuff out. And over the years, as I kind of continued to fight, and more of this stuff came out and disappeared, I realized then I didn't really have to fight anymore. You know, so after about three or four years, my training was moving from the fighting side of it more into the breathing side of it, more into the meditation side of it, more into the kind of the deeper side of it. Um, and then that led me to, to other things. There was a point at which then I realized, okay, whatever stuff I needed to get out through the fighting is gone. You know, it's time now to kind of look deeper into this, which of course led me further into meditation and, and practices like that. That's amazing. Okay, so then in, in the, um, what, would you, it, what do you call it? You call it a temple? Yeah, they actually set up the, the Shaolin Temple UK is, is in um, Tufnell Park. Yeah, so. Do you still train with these guys? or is these I, still I, I, I still do a little bit of training. You know, I don't go back. To, if I'm back in London, I'll, I'll pop in. Um, but uh, when you train like that so intensely with people like that and the people you meet and, and I suppose it was the first time I ever trained somewhere that it was the whole experience. You know, we started off training and you had to sit down and do 20 minutes of meditation. That was the first thing you had to do. And, you know, the way they teach in the temple is they don't tell you anything. You know, you have to figure it out. and go. So like you just sit there for the first couple of months, you're just sitting there, everyone's like closing their eyes and Shifu Yanzi's up there and you're like, what, what am I meant to be doing? And you slowly try to figure out. So we started with that, then we'd go into breathing exercise and then we get into the hard training, you know. So it was a really an amazing experience to see this, this approach to, to life really, you know, but encompassing all these different parts of it, you know. So the temple is still there. It's, it's kind of roaring still. It's rare and, you know, they have loads of people at it and they have, you know, they produce loads of kind of um, top class fighters as well as loads of good people as well. Yeah. So, like, I find that amazing because when you talk to people about meditation, they're like, oh, I don't know how to meditate. I don't know how to do that. And you're going to a temple and they're, they're not even teaching you there. <laughs> That's their whole approach, you know. It's, um, it's amazing. They, they kind of used to, the two monks used to say to us, like, I don't know what the hell is wrong with the Western mind that you need us to tell you every single thing along the yeah. way. You know, they were taken... Um, they both went into the into the Shaolin Temple in the, in China when they were in their teenage years for de- very different reasons. Shifu Yanli was fourteen or fifteen, and he was sent to the temple because he was such a troublemaker, getting in fights all the time. So as a way of kind of rehabilitating him, they sent him there. And Shifu Yanzi was a kind of different story. But you know, again, when they got to the temple, if you've seen any of those old kung fu films like the Shaolin versus Wu Tang films or anything like that. They never tell them what to do. They have to mimic the behavior. And by mimicking the behavior, we start to understand it. And by starting to understand it, then we start to kind of ask questions. And eventually, when you've kind of proven that you have the commitment and the dedication to mimic and, and, and kind of t- absorb it, then they start teaching. You know? So it was the same with the, with the, with the uh, meditation. And of course, meditation is such a hard thing to teach people. You know, and, and, but they were just, just their old school style. You just sit down, close your eyes and try and figure it out. And eventually, eventually they'll give us some direction. And, okay. by, the time, and by the time the direction comes, we're ready for it. Because we've been trying this way, it didn't work. We've been trying this way by ourselves, it didn't work. So that was a great experience to kind of learn through that. Yeah, amazing. What, what is meditation to you? To me, it's, it's our ability to focus on one thing so everything else falls away. So if we are focusing on our breath or let's see a more concrete example, the breath is hard to focus on. When I, when I coach people into the ice bath as part of the Wim Hof method, when you get into the ice bath, there is nothing else you can think about except trying to survive that unbelievably cold ice bath. Your body flies up into fight or flight, panic breathing, fear, you know, in that moment, and when you're kind of using your breath to come down and find a place of peace and calm, which people learn how to do, and they're sitting in the ice, and they're calm, and they're starting to get warm, 
you know, in the, in that kind of transition from the panic to the peace, you can't think of anything else. You know, when that moment you just you're just totally in the experience. And for me, that's what meditation is, you know, is that we are so absorbed in this one thing that all the worries and anxieties and everything elsewhere in the mind, they're just gone for that little time. And then, and then when we come back out of it, the whole mind feels refreshed because it's been turned off really. And to me, that's kind of, that's where meditation is at its most valuable. And then of course, as the Shifu Yanzi used to say to us, it's like a cup. And the more you meditate, the more you get used to it, the cup starts to fill up a bit. And then it starts to flow over the top of the cup into the other parts of your life. You know? So it's the same in the ice bath. Once you learn to deal with the, with the pressure of the ice and you learn to be able to focus under that strain, then that flows into other parts of your life then. Then when something stressful happens elsewhere, you're able to call on that same experience as well and, and use it to deal with that other pressure as well. Amazing. Um, what would you say to like somebody who was resisting meditation? Someone who maybe knows, maybe, maybe thinks that they don't know how to do it correctly or on the other spectrum, maybe someone who knows the benefits from it but isn't giving themselves the time to actually practice it. I think for meditation... I like to think about, I often help people who can't meditate to meditate. You know, so people often say, oh, I can't meditate. I'm full of energy. I can't sit down. I can't concentrate. And what I try to help them do is when they're in their hot shower, turn it to cold. You know, when that cold water hits you again, you can't, you don't think about anything else except that cold water. And slowly but surely being able to deal with that cold water and, and find a, a place where you feel relax and in control that starts then to give your mind the ability to focus in the wildness of the experience of the cold so eventually when you get that experience of being able to focus eventually when you sit down to meditate when the mind is is wild like the cold experience you know that you can focus there on that for a few minutes so starting on the physical body and then working towards uh, being able to sit down and meditate. Yeah, no, I, I actually known you were coming on today. I tried to have a cold shower this morning. I think I lasted. I think I lasted about thirty seconds. <laughs> That's pretty good, though. That's pretty good. Like yeah. you know, we're only kind of the um, gradual, gradual and respectful is how we should approach the cold. You know, so for people who are just starting off, 10, 20, 30 seconds in the cold shower is is you know is exactly what you're looking for. Um, and the real trick is, you know, how, Paul, how did you feel when you, when you turned it to cold? I, like you said, I was kind of uh, shaking and <laughs> kind of pa nearly panicking, but. <laughs> so that's, that's the normal reaction to the cold, you know. So, so once... hard to breathe. It's so hard. Exactly, oh, exactly. So it's like jumping in the sea or whatever it is. So what happens to us is once we feel that cold, the body moves directly up into fight or flight mode. So heart rate starts to fly up the mind starts to scatter breathing is gone the body is f pumped full of adrenaline you know literally to help you fight this perceived danger or to run away from it and what we teach people is that in that fight or flight we actually have a sense of control once we start exhaling because this is what happens you go into the water and you start going <gasps> but if you can get control <sighs> of the exhale, within about five or six exhales, the vagus nerve, which sits back in the back of the brain here and runs down into the gut and is such an important part of our bodies, the vagus nerve starts to activate. And one of its key jobs is to get us from a state of panic or anxiety or anxiousness or agitation down into a state where the body is relaxed, where it can heal itself and repair itself. So next time you're jumping in that cold shower, before you turn it to cold, just start focusing on long, smooth exhales. Turn it to cold. You'll feel your breath disappear. But again, trying to bring that long exhale back into play, and you'll feel it like a switch. Our nervous system switches from sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight. It's like to putting the, the foot on the accelerator in the car. Five or six long exhales, it switches into parasympathetic, which is like the brake. 
And then you start to feel that sense of control in the cold. And then the body starts to change. You know, immune system starts to become stronger. Uh, hormones start to balance, making us feel great. Um, that's where the magic is. And it's in the exhale. Okay. So when you're teaching people or if you're trying to help people to get better at meditation, you'd first always start with the physical. Yeah. And then when they can control that physical, they're going to be in a place where they can transition into becoming more still and more yes. better at meditation. Yeah. Because I would have been a person who wouldn't have been very good at being still, you know, as a child, I was, had loads of energy and, you know, really basketball saved me. I could go out and play basketball for hours and hours and hours. So when I came to meditation, luckily I had the monks there to kind of guide us through and to kind of give us that physical training as well as the meditation. Um, even yoga is the same. You know, Ashtanga yoga, there's eight limbs of yoga, eight parts of Ashtanga yoga. And they're all ultimately moving from the physical practice, you know, like the stretching practice, then to the breathing practice. And then they're slowly moving towards the, the inner levels all the time, the inner layers. So we, we can feel the body, you know, so that's always the first place to kind of start. And once we're used to that, then we can move in a level and we can feel the breath. And once we get used to feeling the breath, then we can move in a level and start to kind of understand the mind a little bit. Um, so, but it's always easier just to start on the thing that we can feel most, you know. I definitely felt it. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing them myself consistently there for about two weeks and, and, I didn't, it was actually my brother that put me onto them because he's, he, he actually wants to go to your, your retreat in Clare, which we'll probably all go to when, when we're kicking off again. But he was telling me about the cold showers and I didn't understand, I didn't have that understanding of I, that would, this would make me better at meditation, that I first needed to physically feel this before. Yeah. So I was doing the cold showers and I was feeling amazing and then I would be someone who would be uh, apprehensive about the cold. If you're telling yes. me to go into yeah, a, yeah. A, a sea, I'd be like, nah, it's too cold. And I, even my yep. son now is like, oh, it's freezing, daddy. And I'm like, it's not, it's not that cold. You know? So I'm put, putting my uh, kind of experiences <laughs> over on him. Um, but yeah, now that you've linked them two together, it makes so much more sense. Yeah, and the cold is a unique force and it's kind of multidimensional how beneficial it is for us. Like we said there, it's a way to kind of train the mind as well. But if you look at it on a, on a different level as, as well, on another level of this kind of multidimensional benefit, the cold all, all also represents the things that we struggle with. And by that, I mean, let's say loads of people think, oh, I hate the cold or I'm, I'm afraid of the cold. And, you know, when we think about it, the cold shower, it, we're totally safe. You know, it's not going to do us any, any harm. But we have nearly an irrational fear of the cold, you know, of switching it to cold or getting into the sea or, or whatever it is. And what I've seen from, from teaching thousands and thousands of people is that in a way, when we look at the cold, whether it's the sea or the ice bath or before we turn the shower on, we're looking at it and it's pulling the different fears and worries from all of our different parts of our life. And it's nearly like the cold is a mirror looking back at us and we see all these fears in it. And by learning to get into it and then finding a place of peace in it through the breathing, then we slowly start to chip away at all these fears and they become weaker and weaker. So a person who's doing the cold shower every day, they're getting huge benefits from it physically we know that from the science they're getting huge benefit mentally we know that from the science as well but what we can also see is that every day they get in and they face this fear or these other fears that are coming together in the cold and they it's like a victory and every day they're going back in and doing it again and again slowly these other fears start to weaken and weaken and before they know it things that would have frightened them before they're not even thinking about it. They're just doing it because their mind is more resilient. Things like the cold, they're actually starting to crave the cold then. You know, the, the, the whole body has changed. And that's one of the kind of deepest things that I've seen is that our body reacts to the cold in the same way it reacts to fear, in the same way it reacts to anxiety and stress and depression. It's the same physical sensations. Heart rate goes up. The body's on the edge. It's agitated. And when we start to learn how to deal with the cold, we actually learn to deal with all of those things. 
So there's even that level of, of benefit to the cold as well, that it changes people on a fundamental level. Their life starts to transform at a fundamental level. Well, Paul, Paul said last night, you're literally the coolest man we've had on the post. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was cool earlier on. We have, um, you know, obviously I teach all over Ireland and we have like six ice baths that we kind of bring on, on myself, my wife, on our journey around Ireland. And they're all out the back now at the moment, you know, out the back garden because they're not going anywhere. So we always have one of them on the go at home. Um, and we had an ice delivery from a company that delivers all our ice. And obviously they went into hibernation during the lockdown and they're kind of opening back up. So we had a big ice delivery yesterday. So I was sitting in an ice bath today, of, you know, of, it's nearly all ice, you know, and, and it, it never gets easy isn't the right word. There's always a part of our mind that's like, oh, I don't want to do this. You know, it's always, there's always something in there, which is our natural instinct to kind of survive. But the difference is as you practice it and practice it, like when I was sitting in the, in the ice today and I was practicing it, there's levels to it. You know, it's like a meditation now when you get in. Once you kind of get the breathing under control, the panic has disappeared. It's helping you go deeper, deeper into parts of our mind that we, we kind of don't usually get access to. And, you know, in the science, it, the science has shown us that the cold and the breathing brings us down into, into the oldest part of the brain, into the brainstem, you know, which is, which is controls a lot of our, you know, reactions to things. And being able to kind of consciously go down into that part of the mind, into physically that part of the brain, and to find a bit of peace there uh, can really help us deal with lots of stuff that life throws at us. Is it, a, is it an Irish thing that we fear the cold so much because when we were growing up, our parents always had the fire on and we were always like, like my grandmother, you walk into my grandmother's house, it was like 40 degrees. It was like, <laughs> I, I definitely think there is, uh, there is something in the, Irish, in the Irish kind of psyche that's different to other parts of the world that I've been in. You know, so I've, let's say um, I teach alongside Wim Hof himself on his expeditions in, in, in the wintertime in Poland and when I'm there you, you meet people from all over the world and lots of people from Europe have a very different relationship with the cold than we do or even America because they have proper winters you know for like two or three months of the year they're going down into proper snow and ice because we live on this island out here in the middle of the Atlantic and it's never too hot or too cold it's always somewhere in the middle we do have a kind of fear of the cold you know and especially the older people, you know, when we, we have four children and we had two before Wim Hof and two after Wim Hof. And like before Wim Hof, we were like most first time parents, you know, put your coat on, they'll get freezing cold, they'll get sick. You know, you know all the grandparents say, the child's going to get, you know, now after Wim Hof, I actually realized that the cold, when used respectfully, is a force that can dramatically improve our health and our strength. You know, so now the children, you know, they wear a coat if they want to, but we're not forcing them into it and they're running around and they are far more healthy, you know, but from living so close to the sea and it's so damp, we do have this kind of fear of the cold and the dampness and, you know, keeping, keeping warm. But I think if we look at the older generation as well, they grew up in places that were kind of much colder than our lives are now, you know, and lots of the older generation now I look at, they're so hardy, you know, their health is so good, you know, for so long. Um, Niall, my, uh, my missus from Ukraine, she was actually telling me last night that when they were kids, they used to literally like get into their jocks and they were sent out in the snow for 10, 15 minutes or something like that. Yep, to make them isn't hardy. It, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Isn't it in, in, in Norway or, or Sweden or somewhere where they, it's part of their, um, their like school day that they go out and they like do snow angels in the snow and... Yeah, and I realized in my training to be a Wim Hof instructor, part of the training was that we had to climb up this mountain in Poland in the dead of winter in the snow, just in a pair of shorts. And when I was doing that, I kind of realized, like you were saying, Paul, I kind of was going up the mountain thinking, my God, if this was our natural habitat all the time, you'd have to do something like what I was doing in the shorts or, you know, putting the children outside. You'd have to be hardy enough to deal with nature. You know, you'd have to kind of go out of your way to do it. And I think that's what the Wim Hof Method is really helping people to do, is that now our lives have become so uh, comfortable all the time. That, and these bodies that we're in are actually built to deal with extremely harsh conditions like our ancestors had to deal with. 
that the Wim Hof method is just giving people a kind of a permission to go out and to access this kind of power again by just getting into the cold or the cold shower for a little bit or the ice bath for a little bit. And by doing that, we ignite these powers that we have, like the children in the Ukraine. You know, there's, I, remember play, I remember playing basketball against the Ukrainian national team and they were the hardest, physically strongest people. And I remember looking at them thinking, they're just a different breed to, to us, you know? Because again, when you're, when you're born in those conditions, you have to find a way of dealing with them. You know, so I think that's where we, our, our environment is totally different. Yeah. We have evolved totally differently as a result. Yeah. So talk to us then about um, how you found the Wim Hof or how you found Wim Hof himself. Like when did that start for you and what did the yeah. training look like? And um, So we had, you know, so that all the children were quite young um, and we, myself and Josie were, we always kind of looked after ourselves. We always kind of, you know, always looking at ways to keep healthy and, you know, to keep our mind strong and, um, but the, we were, had four young children and, you know, there was definitely a lot of pressure there. We were feeling kind of, we had twins, girls, and they were, you know, trying to deal with twins. And we had two older lads and um, we were definitely under a lot of pressure. And one evening I was in the kitchen preparing all the bottles for the next day and I was exhausted and I was stressed out um, and just thinking, you know, how am I going to, how are we, myself and Josie going to get through this? You know, I turned on the Joe Rogan podcast to listen to something, you know, to kind of help me get through making all these bottles. And Wim Hof was on it. And what he was saying seems so amazing, you know, that through a little bit of breathing and a little bit of cold, we could access these, um, these huge levels of energy and we, our health could improve and our stress could go down. So we literally, I listened to the podcast told Josie what he said. We went into the living room, Googled them, of course, found the online, old online course and started it straight away. And within, within the first maybe two rounds of breathing, I started to feel different. You know, I just started to feel totally different. And within a couple of days, we were already had way more energy, way more patience. We had a lightness about it. We, you know, we felt physically so much better. And then we continued on and like within, within a few weeks, we were already sold. You know, this, this had changed so much that, that I, I, I was saying to Josie, look, I have to find out everything I can about this. You know, this, this is just the missing piece. It was like the missing piece of the puzzle for me. Um, so I went and kind of studied to be an instructor and it takes about a year to be an instructor or it used to be, it's probably changed a little bit now. Um, and the instructor training is a combination of kind of you have to learn the science and the theory and all that kind of stuff. But then you're, you're in Holland's training with Wim Hof and his team. And if you pass that, then, then you go to Poland maybe four or five months later. And uh, it's the dead of winter time. And you have, I loved it, but you know, it can be quite intense. So you have physical challenges like climbing up the mountain in your shorts. You're in the river of ice. You're jumping in and all this kind of stuff. Plus you have exams and you have presentations to do. And you now I loved every minute of it. And at the end of it, then you, you, you know, you're either an instructor or you're not. Um, and what I love about the Wim Hof method as well is that every year you have to pass an exam to get your license again, you know, so they're keeping the quality of the instructors high, you know, because for some people um, after a year, a couple of years, maybe they don't want to do the exam again or, you know, whatever the case may be. So that's what I really like about it as well. He seems like um, an amazing character. Talk to us about your first experience of meeting him and just yeah. the, the person he is, I suppose. My first experience with Wim was um, during the couple of days training we did in Holland, in Amsterdam. So Wim's house is kind of out in rural uh, Holland and at the back of it, they had just built, it's probably bigger now, but a kind of training center in his kind of garden um, on his land. And we were being trained by his top kind of instructors, these brilliant fellas. And it was, you know, they were saying, okay, now we're going to, we're preparing for the ice bath and we're going through that part of it. And I had never done an ice bath before. You know, I had done the showers and I was in the sea swimming. So I was thinking, okay, the ice bath. And as it would happen, I was kind of at the front of the group and I was a little bit ahead of some of the other people so I got to the ice bath and jumped in and 
there beside me in the ice bath was Wim Hof. He was just reclining in the ice bath. So I was like, huh? firstly, I'm in an ice bath for the first time. And it's like, what is this? And then it's like, and there's Wim Hof. And it's like, how am I meant to behave? You know, like, so the first, my first ice bath was like a blur of these different sensations. Um, now, since then, I've had the, the privilege of spending a lot of time with Wim on the different expeditions. And he's just, he, I tell you what he is, he's exactly as you see him on, on, in the videos. It's great to meet somebody, it's refreshing to meet somebody that is just themselves. You know, so as you see him on the video is exactly how you'd see him in reality. And he'll be the same if he's with Oprah Winfrey or if he's with Obama or if he's with you or I, you know, he's just the same. He is, um, he is wild and loving. And, and when you see him in the zone, you know, like when you see him in the zone, taking the group up the mountain or whatever, there's kind of like an energy off him that's, you can nearly feel it radiating off, you know. And he'll play his guitar and, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll joke around. But when it comes down to kind of being focused, it's amazing to see that, you know, that, that kind of level of focus that somebody can, can generate. He's done some amazing things. Some people that will be listening to this might not um, have heard of him before and might not have heard of some of the stuff he's done. But he's climbed Mount Everest in his shorts. Yeah. He's got the the longest. Uh, he's got the Guinness uh, World Record for ice submersion, doesn't he? Yeah, he, I think at one stage he had about twenty five different world world records. So as you said, so they include like being encased in ice for two hours or so, um, the fastest time with a group up Kilimanjaro. I think it's less than twenty four hours, um, and usually takes four or five days in a pair of shorts up Mount Everest. I think he running a full marathon above the polar ice cap in a pair of shorts, doing the same in the Namibian desert in Africa, in the heat with no water. You know, all, the, all these truly amazing things. But I, I suppose what, what kind of hooked me was, and Wim would say this, is that the, the reason he could do these things was just from this simple breathing technique and this exposure to cold. And that anybody is able to do superhuman things once they start to use this very, this very simple technique. And like what, what is superhuman to Wim is running up Mount Everest, but what could be superhuman to somebody else could be dramatically reducing stress in their life and having a life that's calm. And somebody else, the superhuman thing could be, you know, that their health dramatically improves, you know? So we all have different kind of mountains to climb, um, but this simple breathing and, and cold techniques can really help us get there. He's very adamant too that um, that the, of the evidence behind it and, and the science behind it. Like it's it's it sounds so simple in theory, but he's very very adamant about yeah. the evidence and the science behind all this too. And I suppose that's what drew me to it as well is that there's there's very little speculation about the benefits. You know, so Wim went out of his way to to get the scientific community's attention by doing these things like going up Mount Everest and eventually. They said, look, this fellow has gone up Mount Everest in a pair of shorts, and he's also claiming that he can voluntarily boost his immune system. We better have a look at this to see what's going on. Um, and of course, that's exactly what they've proven time and time again, is that we can, we, we have control over our bodies in a way that we never thought we had. You know, so, so that's why I love the science part of it as well, because it's just, um, it removes the speculation. It's like, here, these are the benefits. They're all proven. You know, and for some people, the science doesn't matter. They'd be in anyway. But for other people, they need that kind of tick, that kind of permission. Um, so it gives people that kind of evidence they need, and then they can go for it. Yeah. Um, so talk to us then, like, about the Wim Hof Method, because you, you keep hearing about the Wim Hof Method, and, but what actually is it? What? Yeah, so there's three parts of it. So the first part is very simple and effective breathing exercises. So the exercises are maybe 30 or 40 big inhales, breathing all the way up through the body and just kind of letting the exhale go. At the end of that 30 or 40 breaths, you breathe in, you breathe out and you hold your breath. So you're holding your breath for as long as you're comfortable with. Um, and then when you're finished with that, you take another breath in and that's your round one. So, you know, 
when we actually do the exercises, they're, they're very simple to learn. You know, they're very simple to do. That's the breathing part of it. The other part of it is the cold exposure. So again, we've talked about that, you know, the cold showers or the ice baths, whatever it is. And the other part, which is nearly of paramount importance, is the, is the mind, you know, the power of the mind, how to focus the mind, how to bring about kind of commitment in the mind. And the mind is the thing that wraps the breathing and the cold together. Because you can't do the breathing unless you kind of have some commitment to it. You can't get into the cold unless you have some ability to focus. So the mind, the mind, the breathing, and the cold are the three elements of the Wim Hof Method. Okay. And just talk to us about the breathing part of it then. So it's, it's a full inhale, filling up yes. your lungs as much as you can, and then a full exhale or a half exhale. Or... So it's like this. So if you, if you want to put one hand in your belly there, put one hand in your chest, and people who are watching it can, can do it as well. The first part of the breath, We'll just, we'll just do the first bit. I want you to breathe into your belly and expanding the belly as you breathe in. So breathing in, belly expands, and then just let the breath go, like a sigh. And again into the belly, and just let it go. Again. Then your next inhale, breathe into the belly and then expand it up into the chest. So you're breathing into the belly, up into the chest, and then just let go. So the belly is expanding, the chest is rising as you breathe in, and the exhale is just like a sigh, letting go. And the last part of the inhale is you breathe into the belly, you breathe up into the chest, and you're trying to breathe as high up into the head as you can, so you can imagine the breath rising through the body and then you're just letting go. So the breaths are inhales are the big breaths in. And letting go. And you can use your mouth for the inhale if you like. You do about 30 of these big breaths. And we always have to remind people that the breathing like this should only be done sitting down or lying down. Because I can see already you're starting to feel a little bit different. You know, as you start to breathe, we can feel a little bit dizzy or we can feel a bit lightheaded. So we always want to make sure we're somewhere safe when we're doing the breathing, sitting down or lying down. So we take 30 of these big breaths. And as we're doing that, oxygen levels in the body are going up. CO2 levels are going down. And we're taking the body into this kind of zone where it doesn't usually go. And then at the end, as we said, we breathe out at the end and we just hold our breath. And we hold it for as long as we can. And because we've been breathing in a kind of intense way, when we're holding our breath, we can hold our breath a little bit longer than before. And as the kind of the, this deficit of oxygen builds up in the body, it's like resetting the body. You know, we breathe in a very normal way most of the time. Our breathing is usually kind of shallowish as we breathe. Now all of a sudden we're taking the body and the respiratory system and the hormonal system on this huge range of motion, big breaths in, and letting go, and then holding the breath. And what happens is then, after this breathing, the body finds this new optimum balance, and that's where you start to feel so good from it. Is there, so if, sorry, a, if people want to, you know, there's a great free app, Wim Hof Method app, um, and in that it takes you through the breathing, and it takes you through two or three rounds of the breathing. So definitely worth, if people are interested, they can just jump on their phone now and grab that app um, and start practicing the breathing straight away. Cool. Is, is there a certain routine to it? So is there breathing first, then cold exposure? Is there movement involved in it? Or Yep. There, so there are kind of Wim Hof kind of exercise, movement exercises as well, using the, the breathing as part of that. Is this the part where they're like, uh, where you're on your feet and doing your... Yeah, well, that's, that's the warm-up exercise. Okay. You know, that's called a horse stance. But again, that's borrowed from martial arts. Okay. Um, so the horse stance, I love teaching that bit because people are so self-conscious, you know, when you're getting to do something like that. And it's like, look, you're going to be kind of like doing this kind of mad dance breathing. And I know you feel stupid now, but when you get out of the cold, that, that horse stance, that ability to use the legs to kind of access... Um, you know, get heat in the body. I've, I've got out of the water in Poland before and the air temperature was minus 10. The water was frozen solid. And I get out and I'm standing in the forest 
dripping wet and my feet are freezing to the forest floor. And that horse stance, that really simple breathing and movement exercise starts to generate heat. Like you feel steam rising off. And that, that horse stance has kept me alive in some extreme scenarios. So um, that's one of the things we teach people to do. And it's just another example of how the body can be used and trained to generate heat and do things that we don't think are kind of easy to do. But your question was, you know, should we do these at different times of the day? If you look at the kind of breathing as one bit and the cold as another bit, you can like ideally you want to do, if you can do them in the morning and then you have your setup for the rest of the day. But in reality, it's kind of wherever you can fit them in. You know, so some people like breathing in the evening and they might take their cold shower in the morning. So we all live very busy lives. So whichever, whichever kind of way you can fit them into your life is, is the best way. You, you understand that more when you talk to people like yourself, that it's, there's no correct way really to do it, that it's just practicing it and practicing it and finding out your own way and what works yeah. for you. Yeah, especially, especially these days that everyone's lives are so different and, you know, uh, yeah, whatever people, it, and you know from kind of training people, it has to be convenient. It has to fit into our lives. If it's difficult at all, it'll become more of a drain and then eventually people won't do it. You know? So whatever they can fit that breathing and that cold into their life, then that's, that's when they should do it. There's some amazing videos of, I was watching one this morning of actually the, the, the Polish mountain that you're talking about and he flipped to a guy, I can't remember what nationality he was, but he was given two months to live with, with a particular cancer and he started the Wim Hof method. Talk to us kind of about, or have you any experience on people with Crohn's or people with cancer or people with illness of any sort that, that have completely like... Well, if, if we look at it like this, so the proven benefits of the Wim Hof method. Firstly, it's, it's shown to dramatically improve your immune system. So anybody who's suffering from kind of autoimmune diseases, you said Crohn's, you know, there's, there's loads of them. The other part, of it... it it improves your energy. It balances your hormones. You know, it, it helps us reduce stress dramatically, which again improves the immune system. It, it dramatically improves our ability to sleep and to focus. And, you know, all these things, when you combine all these things together, you can see how it can help lots of different people in lots of different ways. So I've, I've heard people say, oh, I have disease X and I've done this and it's been amazing. And, or disease Y and I've done this and it's been amazing. When you look at all the benefits combined, you can see how it can really help lots of people in lots of ways. I've had people say to me, oh, I have this thing called, and I've never even heard of it, whatever it is. And it's helped them because maybe this thing was related to their immune system and their immune system is, is back up running. Maybe it was related to their, their endocrine system and that's back up running properly. You know? So I think, the benefits of the Wim Hof method are so wide and so deep that for most people, they will get some benefit from it, no matter what they have, you know, even if it's just sleeping better or even if it's less stress. Um, you know, and the huge part of it, the, you know, there's a couple of big, big underlying benefits from the Wim Hof method that kind of hold up the other benefits that we've talked about. And they include one, one is that it makes the body more alkaline. You know, so if we're, under a bit, if we're under stress or sick, the body is probably a little bit too acidic. So if we're doing the breathing, the body becomes just a little bit more alkaline. And when it's more alkaline, everything starts to work better. You know, so that, that helps people in, in lots of ways. And that's very, that's very important. And um, you know, so you can see how that can really, really, really help people. And... Uh, and the, one, the other big one about the immune system, like the immune system is such a complicated thing and it pulls on different parts of, of the, the body. When the immune system is kind of reset, then it can start to have many effects on other parts of the body and other kind of ailments as well. And that's really important. So important in this time as well that we're, that we're oh, finding ourselves in. Absolutely. And at this time, so there's, there's this relationship between the levels of stress and anxiety in our immune system. So when, when we're in, in a state of fight or flight or stress or anxiety or living on the edge or agitation, the body takes energy and nutrients from other parts of the body, from the digestive system, from the immune system, and, and puts it into this kind of state where we can fight for our lives or, or run for our lives. And we're built to do that over the short term. 
But if we're, if we're in a high level of stress over a long period of time, weeks or months, especially now in something like this, in a long lockdown, the immune system for a lot of pe people has been very low for a long period of time. And then you can get very sick very quickly. So by learning how to breathe and use the cold, we, we learn how to bring, every time we come out of the cold and we bring ourselves down, we're learning to bring ourselves down from this agitated state back down where the body can rest and digest. And as we do that, then the immune system comes back up again. So that this relationship between high stress and low immunity and then low stress and calm and the immune system being strong as well. So especially now, that relationship is, is very important and understanding how to bring yourself down out of this state of agitation is very important. It, it's amazing for like something so, I don't want to say simple, but we breathe every day that it can make such a huge impact in our lives if by just taking a couple of minutes every day. Yeah, it's but not... you're right. It is really simple. And I think the simplicity is what kind of attracts people as well. You know, mm. when people come to, say, one of my fundamentals workshops where we go through the core skills, at the end of the workshop, they have everything that they need then to go and practice this. And they have it. You know, the way we design the workshops is the, the, the way people are learning and applying it. By the end of it, they have these simple techniques that they can just go home and immediately kind of start feeling the benefits. You know, so that simplicity... As I think it was Leonardo da Vinci said, simplicity is genius. You yeah, know, so, absolutely. So that, so that's what we're after. Do you get much resistance over the simplicity of it, or do you meet people who are ready and and willing to accept this? It's a good question, actually, because I I think where you might be coming from on that question is that some people want something that's really complicated, and like if it's not complicated, how in the name of God could it work? You know, um, but I have. In my experience, I have had people on the full spectrum of, you know, acceptance, you know, people who are like yourselves have found out about it and are really interested. And on the other end, people who have been forced to come to one of my sessions by their boss or something, you know, uh, at a corporate gig. And what I've found is that once we start breathing, it starts changing people. You know, I've been at a couple of conferences for, um, say, big industry bodies and you can feel the resistance in the crowd. People aren't interested or what's this fellow doing? But once we start breathing and I can see people's faces after a round or two of breathing, whether or not you accept it or believe it or think it's too simple, the body's already changing. The chemistry's already changing. People are already relaxed. I was doing a, um, an accountancy conference and you know, some of the crowd were into it. Some of the crowd weren't into it. But after a couple of rounds, everyone was like this. I could see them from the stage, oh, like having a great time, really relaxed, you know. So whatever their resistance to it was gone after a couple of rounds. <laughs> um, talk to us then, I suppose, about your, your retreats, your own retreats. Um, you're mainly housed in Clare, is it? Or do you travel yep. all over? Talk to us about that. So um, the retreats are in the Cliffs of Moher retreat in Clare, and they are amazing. They are you know, firstly, I don't know if you've been to that venue. It's just... Never know. Um, Class, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. So so the, the, first, the first area, you know, the, the location's amazing. You know, so the, the, they have outdoor hot tubs. They have outdoor saunas. We have the ice bath set up outside. And they have this amazing space for the breathing and the meditation. But then that's only like the superficial stuff. The time away to do it gives us a chance to go really deeply into the breathing and really deeply into the experience of the cold. And what we're learning is we're learning to use nature to improve our health and to improve our happiness and our strength, you know, and we're, we're out in the sea, we're walking along the cliffs. Um, it's it's a, a fantastic location and it is the perfect place to learn something like the Wim Hof Method. So we've we had them and they're all sold out during the year. Um, obviously everything's closed down at the moment, but we're hoping to have them back up uh, in the autumn October, November, uh, and then we'll have a full schedule again for the year after, 2021. How long do they last? Is it a weekend? Is it three days? Some of them, some of them are two nights. So we, you come on a Friday, you leave on a Sunday. Um, and then there's other ones who are five nights uh, as well. So it just depends how much you want to dive into this and how yeah, deep you want to go with it. Yeah, and we've had people coming from all over the world. You know, the Clifton Moor Retreat is, fa is a famous... Uh, kind of venue outside of Ireland, you know, so we have people flying in from New York to do a few days and flying back out again. 
Um, so it's really great. And there this year in October, November as well, I'll be in Ibiza uh, teaching a retreat out there, you know. So again, a beautiful location, um, different type of energy, different type of feel. But again, even the act of taking a couple of nights out of the usual grind and just spending them breathing and getting into the cold and, and feeling all those benefits, um, you know, it, it really works wonders. It can be um by the looks of the video very psychedelic some people have a lot of psychedelic experiences when they get into the have you had any of those or what's your yeah because the breathing really like we've been talking about the breathing in terms of physiology you know the proven scientific benefits we've talked a little bit about it as well you know in kind of how it helps the mental part of it but like we were saying if we start on the physical part and we move to the mental part the next part is like the deeper aspect of it. you know so when you start to breathe in this way um, people can have really deep experiences they can have big insights into into their lives they can have revelations about you know different parts of their lives some people can start to see colors and you know all these types of things uh, and my own experience is uh, the breathing every time I do it is very different. Sometimes, sometimes the experience will be very physical. Sometimes it'll be very mental. Sometimes it'll be deeper than that again. Um, I've had, I've had some amazing, amazing experiences doing the breathing really kind of mind altering life altering experiences, but they're not always like that, you know, but every time you do it, you get great benefit. But it's like anything else, once we take time to sit down and be still, and then the mind starts to chatter away, but once we use a practice like the breathing to get through that chatter, there's lots of things on the far side of that chatter that, you know, that are very deep and, and very meaningful. And that's what the breathing does. Would you have any um, really good book recommendations that you've, that you've read over the years? Yes. The people in this? There's a fantastic book called What Doesn't Kill Us by an investigative journalist called Scott Carney. It was a number one, number one New York Times bestseller. Have you read it? No, no, but I've seen that he actually went to Wim Hof and um, Wim Hof he, took him through it all because he was like an investigative journalist. Like he, yeah. said, he, he didn't believe it. He didn't believe it. So he had written two previous books uh, and he, he, they were debunking these spiritual teachers. Um, so he, Scott Carney, would, you know, from what I've heard, he, he was kind of saying that his mission was to kind of debunk these spiritual teachers who he felt were, were actually quite d dangerous because they were leading people into situations that they, you know, they couldn't handle. And his previous book was about a meditation teacher in Arizona who's one of the students died of kind of exposure to the elements in, in, in a desert somewhere. So this is how he was approaching going to Wim Hof. He was going to expose Wim Hof as a charlatan he was going to expose the method as, you know, fake. And so the book is about his journey to Poland. And, and, and it's actually probably the best advertisement for the Wim Hof method possible. You know, so he went from extreme skeptic to actually has a second book out at the moment, which includes the kind of follow up to that. Um, but it's really well written and it brings in other elements, which is something even when you're talking about you're teaching boot camp to people, kind of even ties into that the idea that again we have become addicted to comfort we have become addicted to the kind of insulating ourselves from nature and that we need these situations like training hard outside or training hard or being outside we need these things to remind ourselves that we're alive and to kind of ignite these these abilities that we have in our body and that's kind of what the book is about as well it's kind of we, we need to return to these harsh conditions every now and then to, to, to be as healthy as we can. Brilliant. Um, you were speaking to me about a retreat in Mayo that's hopefully coming up in August. Oh yeah, we have, we have a Wim Hof Method Fundamentals Workshop in Mayo. So, so this is, if anybody wants to learn the, the, the core skills of the Wim Hof Method, the breathing, the cold, the mindset, will be in Mayo on the 30th of August, fingers crossed, uh, in... Claire Mars. Excellent. So if anybody wants, they can just go, I can give you a link to the, if you want to stick it in the kind of show notes or something, I can send that link to you. 
Perfect. Me and Paul will be there, won't we, Pete? Yeah, yeah, let's hope we're all there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start practicing the cold showers now. Yeah, dude. <laughs> now that there's actually an understanding to it, I think it's going to be a, a lot easier to, to practice it. Yeah, always is. Where should someone start? If someone's listening to this and they're like, this is amazing, this is... Where should they start? The best place to start is um, in, the, in the shower, in the cold shower. Most people have a, a shower most days or every now and then. So just decide in your mind that, you know, you've heard us talk about the benefits and these are something that you really kind of want to experience. Turn the shower to cold. Try to get your breathing, your exhale under control, even if it's only for 10 or 15 seconds. Turn it off and see how you feel afterwards. That's the first place to start. There's a phrase, and I think it comes from the Irish language, and they were talking about the sea, and it says that we go to the sea or we go to the cold to drown the miserable person. So the idea is that no matter how miserable we are beforehand, once we get into the cold, into the sea, we are a new person afterwards. The miserable person is gone. And that's how you feel when you get into the cold shower. You know, no matter what fear and anxiety or worry you have at the start, we feel the cold and we get out and we feel alive, you know, and that person's gone. So uh, that's the great first place to start. Excellent. Brilliant. I can't believe we've done over an hour already, but <laughs> I literally sit here talking to you all day. Where, where can people find you? I know you do a lot on Instagram and I know you some, do some daily breathing and stuff like that. Just give me yeah. a yeah, so it's Breathe with N-I-A-L-L um, on Instagram or Facebook or Breathe with N-I-A-L-L.com. Um, and I, I can send you links to all those things as well. So come and find me on Instagram. And uh, I often do kind of like uh, five, 10 minute breathing sessions just on Instagram live as well. So people can get a taste of that as well. Amazing. Listen, thank you so much oh. for your time. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Thanks, it's Neil. a pleasure to Brilliant. chat to you. Yeah, it's been powerful. I know people will get a whole lot from it, hopefully, and, and hopefully we've ignited some something in someone that's Brilliant. listening to it, like what happened to you with Joe Rogan. Exactly. You're the new Joe Rogan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's amazing that something so simple like that has led you on this journey to... Like, you know discovery. what? I, I always think of that, and I think to myself, I'm sure it happens with lots of people, but that one podcast, listening to that in the kitchen there, has literally change the direction of everything in my life you know so and then and, yeah, and generations to come and your kids yeah and yeah, yeah. And, and help you know and, and help people that you know other people as well so um awesome good good old internet and good old podcasts <laughs> it's been amazing listen we'll definitely catch up in august and if you're in, in yeah Palenau at all give us a shout we'll i will back. indeed i will indeed and i'll send you those links on now as well pleasure to talk to you. Talking. thank you very good much luck, thanks neil good luck, lads bye-bye take care bye-bye